You are listening to Inspirado Projecto. Get ready. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen, creatures and extraterrestrials, one and all, young and old, uh, identities and multi-singularities. This is going to be a deep cosmic dive, this episode. So get ready. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> We're talking with Wiley Herman, the creator of Grandview Boulevard, writer of In Bright Axiom, writer of The Tolls, collaborator on Crystor Inc. You're going to hear him discuss all kinds of creativity. This is part one. He's going to talk about his his buddy Spencer McCall, who we have interviewed on the show before. And you're going to get you're going to get some fun secrets. I personally I didn't know what questions to ask him because I had so many questions zooming in all at once. They all wanted my attention. They're like, ask me, ask me, ask me. So the, I, I did the best I could navigating through the... Um, I get those images of like when, you know, like in those movies where you see people go on vacation. I've never, this has never happened to me because I haven't gone to foreign lands per se. But, uh, you know, you see how, you, how the folks, they step off the plane and all the little kids start, you know, begging, you know, yanking on their clothes. I want some, I want some. That's kind of like what it was like with these questions. Ask me, ask me, ask me. So this is part one of that, folks. Um, I'm going to put, I'm going to put links in this description to the places that you can check out these phenomenons that we are referring to. They are mind expanders. They are fun imagination theme parks. (laughs) You're going to love them. I promise you. I promise you. Stay tuned. Because Wiley's up next, folks. David Lynch personally started a campaign in Hollywood to get Laura Dern an Oscar nomination for her performance in Inland Empire. He sat on the side of the road with a cow during this campaign, which was, unfortunately, unsuccessful. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Grand, Grandview Boulevard is so fun and so textured and so layered, and I like all the little Easter eggs in there. It's so great that the that Wiley and the family is is watching the Institute on the on the TV, and uh, uh, 
the the phone call within bright axiom you know it's just so cool to see how it's all woven together man I, oh thanks man yeah it's it's got like way more meta once in bright axiom came out it's just like another layer of okay now it's commenting on yet another film within a film within a documentary within an actual family and that's like my favorite kind of story to tell me too man um, me too that idea of crossing all of these universes together well and in the case with uh um uh, the uh, the uh, uh, with Christor Inc. How that's mm-hmm. then parallel versions, parallel universes. That's yeah, you yeah. Know, in addition it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like a poor man's Charlie Kaufman light oh. kind of you know, unit, like a kind of less heady Charlie Kaufman is a low budget, less heady Charlie Kaufman, oh, which is kind of like so much, the realm I exist in. Well, it's so exciting because you got a whole world here that can just continually be built upon, and mm-hmm. whatever projects you make. They, you know, they, they they can always reference this this universe that's going on here. So those who have been following along can go, ooh, how does that fit into the timeline? Or you know, which timeline yeah. is it fitting into? Um, which parallel universe is it fitting into? And in which timeline? And you know, which which Coleman is the Coleman? You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's so much fun. Have you, are you? Uh, who are some of your favorite philosophers? Oh man, that's kind of that's a tricky question because I was never really into philosophy. Like I'm I'm a film guy like through and through, so all my philosophy you know comes from film. Um, my wife is the uh, the academic in the in the uh, in the family. She's a, a college English teacher, so she'd probably be able to answer the actual philosophical you know list. But um, well, yeah, man, I was just your yeah, your subject matters just go they're just deep in terms of there's just a lot of layers going on there and a lot of sort of like universal questions that are kind of filtering through there so it just kind of made me wonder um you know what what that might be what some of your influences might be that that contribute towards this well it's funny because you know I, I was an 80s kid so i grew up with like 80s sci-fi so i just remember like my my brain being cracked open just by like back to the future you know just that that thought of like oh my god, butterfly effect, something in the past can't affect the future. And that just opened up the entire realm of science fiction storytelling for me. So like that alone, it's like, wait, you could change one thing and it could have this snowball effect that would affect the future. And it just, it started there for me, like definitively back to the future in 1985. Like that's where my love for that kind of, if you can call it philosophy, started. Did you start writing a lot of, did you write a lot of um, stories about time travel? No, I, I never really got into to writing until post post high school. Um, I was I was a performer kid like for for a very long time. I guess you could say, yeah, p- pretty much the first twenty years of my professional you know career, I was I was an actor, and then I kind of slowly started to play with um, playwriting and then eventually screen screen screenwriting. You know, almost twenty years into my my career, um, but yeah, I was more of a performer than a writer for for most of my existence, really. What kind of performing did you were, were you were you in a theater, musical theater, uh, improvisation? Mostly theater. Um, I did theater in Tucson for for many many years, and then I moved to uh, Los Angeles and started doing improv there at the Groundlings. Um, and then that kind of brought me around to San Francisco, where I started to do more and more uh, on camera stuff. Uh, got an agent, and then theater, improv led me to playwriting. So I produced my first play in like two thousand nine, I think. Um, which was a, was a fairly good success considering it was the first time out. But um, that was like my first really attempt at writing that felt like, oh, this, there's something here uh, to explore. So basically starting in 2009 is when I started to really dive into uh, to writing. And what, what was your first play? 
Ah, uh, so it was a it was kind of a dark comedy called Better Homes and Ammo, <laughs> and it was about a, a suburban family who've uh, locked themselves in a, a nuclear fallout shelter after this event that may or may not have actually happened. It was kind of like the uh, the proto um, what is that Nine Cloverfield Lane? What was that great film? Oh yeah, with uh, right, John right, right. Kent. Yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of like a similar vibe to that. It's like what is actually happening outside this bunker, um, and who's manipulating who to stay underground, and what's actually out there, and then um, ends up being a, a love story between um, the two teenage siblings. But one's adopted, <laughs> so it's not as creepy as it sounds. Um, but yeah, so it was a really fun exploration of kind of madness and, you know, this whole survivalist thing that now is like totally normal. But in 2009, it's like, whoa, people actually think like this. And now it's like, oh, yeah, people are actually living this. Wow. You know, I was just going to say there's a little piece of that when you when you mentioned that it reminded me a little bit of the Royal Tenenbaums. How, um, uh, oh, gosh, I forgot what what uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's sister's name is, but she's she's adopted into it, you know, and there's in. Uh, Luke uh, Wilson's character always just was just in love with her, and then they end up finding out that she was—I think she was adopted. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's so interesting how, and I'm sure I'm sure you probably have noticed this many times throughout your life, where you you write something like the play mm. that you did, and then you end up seeing echoes of that similar zeitgeist, that spirit, kind of um, camouflaged in, a, in 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 another project that that yeah. someone does yeah. in the future. It's zeitgeist. Well, it's not even future. Sometimes it's like literally simultaneous. Like yeah. um, my short film. Did you watch the Tolls? The the World yeah. War Two. Oh yeah. So the craziest thing about that, you know, it's this. I wanted to do a a, a modern take on a Twilight Zone story. You know, like a twenty twenty three minute Twilight Zone episode. So um, it's about a World War Two soldier who's transported to an alternate reality where the Nazis won. And like literally, the the week we finished principal photography, I get a text from my mom saying, have you heard about this TV show? I just saw a trailer. It's called Man in the High Castle. And I'm a fellow K. Dick fan, but I was just not familiar with that particular story. And I watched the trailer and I'm like, that's the movie we just wow, shot. Man. This, was within, this was within days, within days of wrapping. Dude. So again, it's just, it's zeitgeist. It, it happens all the time. You know, it's incredible. As an artist. It's the, okay. So <laughs> Now this is this the next question concerning that because the exact the, mm-hmm. the same thing would happen to me growing up and I still see it happen. Yeah. When when you first started noticing that type of thing happening to you was mm-hmm. did you what how did you view it how did you when you first started noticing the, these types of synchronicities happening how did how did you how did it affect you? Oh, like profoundly. Like I I, I th- it was kind of my first introduction to like there's there's something else going on. That was like my first introduction to like the the reality of science fiction sometimes it, it's like life is more amazing than fiction when right. stuff like that happens when it's just so spot on and so in your face like there's a reason that there are parallel storytellers telling almost this exact same story at this exact same moment science fiction becomes reality and then it makes it way more profound and personal i think now as you found yourself now as you found that happening more and more um mm-hmm. either you know on projects that maybe you had written down you go oh this would be a fun idea for a character and then that exact character pops up in a movie or mm-hmm. uh, an idea for a song or whatever um and then you end up seeing it happening out there in the world um did you start finding yourself going hey you know what um I'm going to sort of follow my intuition a lot more. I'm going to evidently, my ideas are being also created out there in the world. So evidently I'm on the right track. (laughs) 
Well, it's tricky because it's it's often kind of deflating because it's like you have this yeah. idea that you feel is original and fresh, right? And then you feel like someone, and then you realize someone with you know a bigger budget and more influence has done something either identical or extremely similar. The question is, well, it's still my original idea. Do I pursue it or do I do I stop? Oh, man, like me and me and Spencer McCall, who you know introduced us, we were working on a, a pilot for a, a TV show called Bombed. Um, and it's about this post post-apocalyptic like Mad Max landscape where a group of traveling um, actors, they travel across, you know, the, the Mad Max hellscape in a caravan performing episodes of old like 90s TV shows, at least <laughs> what they can remember from them. And then it turns out there's there's a book and I can't think of the name of it, which is like almost the exact same thing. But oh it's a bunch of Shakespearean God. actors who don't actually have the text. It's just like what they remember of the text. And they go around in a post-apocalyptic caravan performing Shakespeare. Wow. And then there was another play that we didn't know about. Uh, Mr. Burns. Have you heard about that one? It's based on The Simpsons. No. It's a post-apocalyptic caravan traveling post-apocalyptic landscape performing Whoa. Simpsons episodes. Whoa. So like all three of these things happened simultaneously and I hadn't heard of either of them until we basically had the the, oh, the pilot, you know, laid out. Oh man. So it's just you can't you can't deny it when it's right there. And it's just like I said, it's just zeitgeist. Oh it's my parallel thinking, it's collective consciousness, but it's real. Gosh, it really is, you know, and it's so funny because I used to get so when it growing up, I used to get so frustrated and just so angry about this, going, Oh my god, yeah. someone else is out there is making my thing. And I had dibs. And then, yeah, right, exactly. It's like, dude, I had dibs on that thing. And then I started and then I, because I would start to help me sort of cope with it. Um, mm. I, I would devise this. I, uh, I, I had this idea that, okay, so these thoughts are coming to us. And I imagined a thought cloud, like, okay, here are these mm. magnificent ideas. And it's going, just kind of floating over my head. And it's going, okay, are you going to use me? Are you going to use me? Because I'm moving. Are you going to mm -hmm. use me? I'm your and conduit. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, yeah. if I, I felt like if I jumped on it fast enough, then I could be the one that got credit for doing that thing. You know, yep. then it became sort of like this little competition between, because I, I, once you start seeing that, that your stuff evidently is, is out there and, and being created by other, uh, 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 other folks, then you're like, okay, apparently I'm, I'm plugged in something here, you know, mm. now, now the thing is, is to go, how fast can I strike? You know, you got to strike the iron when it's hot, you know? So then yeah. it started inspiring me to go, okay, I just got to follow the intuition here. I just got to keep following it, you know, in this sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you're right. It is, it is such a tricky, I was just thinking about this the other day about how there are these companies that say, okay, well, if you come in and you pitch your idea to us, let's say if you're a writer and you pitch an idea to this company and they go, okay, well, if we, you know, you have to sign this thing because if we already happen to have that idea and we get it, you know, made, you can't sue us for saying yeah. that we stole your idea. So I, I'd always think like, oh my God, that's so terrible because then the pe people there might, might just be taking your idea and pretending that they were the ones who already had the idea. But then I thought, okay, what if I were to place myself in the shoes of that company that mm -hmm. is allowing writers to come in and pitch their ideas to me, then it's like, oh my God, I already had this idea sitting back there in the archives of my brain going, oh, you know, someday I'm going to create this. Now all of a sudden here's this writer who then tells me this mm -hmm. idea. It's almost exactly like that. Now you're stuck at the standstill because now you're going, oh God, do I, do I bring this person, you know, into the original idea I had? Can we blend those things together? And then we, we both, you know, you know, use this enthusiasm, bring this to light. Do I just say, no, sorry, we already have an idea like that. But then would I be hesitant in making that idea? Because I wouldn't want that guy to think that I stole that idea. <laughs> you know, so yeah. It's, like, it's such in a weird, it's such a strange thing when you, 
when you're dealing with ideas in the universe, huh? Yeah, well, it also comes down to, like, ideas versus, like, scripted content. Like, I remember when I was living in Los Angeles, like, the first spec script that I wrote was with my roommate, and it was a King of the Hill episode that we pitched to the uh, producers, and the B story was Bobby Hill going to a gay rodeo. And, you know, we submitted the script and, you know, got rejected and never heard from him again. And then, of course, lo and behold, a couple months later, there's an episode where the hills go to, there's a gay, there's a gay rodeo. No! But the thing is, you know, that's an idea, but nothing, nothing from our script was, was ripped off. They, no characters, no dialogue. crazy, oh gosh. So again, is like, is it coincidence? Did they already have a gay rodeo? Because it seems oddly specific. so yeah it's just something like if someone has the same idea that's one thing but if they're actually like somehow using your words and your dialogue and your character that's like a lawsuit you know so wow there's a, there's a fine line there wow you know this reminds me so much I, I was i was listening to like there were two there were two movies that had come out about truman capote one was called mm-hmm. capote and one was called uh i think it was called like infamous or something mm-hmm. um and one of them one of them came out and then some months had gone by and and, and um, I had a roommate who was just always listening to NPR, always listening to all day long. And so I'd walk through there and I heard that I heard this conversation going on with with a director for the movie, um, which whatever the second one yeah. was that was yeah. coming out. And they're like, well, what are your thoughts about the fact that a Truman Capote movie already exists? And now you're coming out this one. And that guy goes, you know what? He goes, look, I've 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 struggled with this because I had I had the screenplay written. I already had it written. I had already, mm-hmm. you know, had this thing created years before that other movie that just came out a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> but and I already had this whole screenplay. And now finally I get the financing. Now I'm putting it together. And he's like, I just had to go through with it. it it's like yeah. I couldn't, you know, there's already a momentum going on there. I, I just had to go through with it and, and go screw it. Whatever anybody thinks, if they think I stole it, so what? I, yeah. You know, it's like. I, I, I'm making this movie for me, you know? But there's also there's also a very, you know, well-documented Hollywood game of studios doing similar projects on purpose at the same time to see who can get the better one out. Like, you know, Volcano versus Deep Impact, or Volcano versus oh, yeah. Dante's Inferno, oh, yeah. Deep Impact versus Armageddon. It's like, who can get their Volcano movie out first? Oh, who God. can get their... So that's that's a game. That's not parallel thinking. That's not synchronicity. That's right. like, It's like Coke and Pepsi competing for the same audience to see who can make more money. Right. So like, that's a well-played game in Hollywood. And there's always two. It always comes in twos, you know? It, it is so interesting. It's like someone catches the buzz that this whole, this, you know, great idea has been brewing for years. And exactly. They're like, and let's get on that first. Yeah. Yep. I remember yep. I'd see that like at Blockbuster where like, and I was just joking with my buddy about this the other day, about how, um, like, okay, let's say for instance, there are all these, these, these trailers. Let's say there's all this buzz about a new King Kong coming out in the theaters. New King Kong is on its way. And then you get like some, some you know like a roger corman type of uh, mighty uh, joe young yeah right and they come out (laughs) right right and they're like okay let's hurry up let's beat him to the punch let's come out this thing let's ride the wave of the excitement of you know it's like they're seeing that that this wave is going to come crashing in everybody's excited about godzilla or or a a new king kong movie okay all right let's hurry up and make a, a a smart ape movie which is like the polar opposite of like the kind of magical synchronicity <laughs> that's cosmically linking us all that we were talking about earlier. That's just oh, yeah. pure dollar signs. Oh, but that's how Hollywood works. So now I, I, I got to ask you, what are what are your thoughts about synchronicities? What are your thoughts about um, about those kinds of magical happenings? 
I okay. There was a point. Um, I don't know. Probably a decade ago, I was working on a screenplay. And it was all about synchronicities, and I was like very much wow fe- feeling the flow of synchronicities. It's kind of my first attempt at a, a full-length screenplay, and I remember being at the SF MoMA. Um, I was because there was an, there was an element of paintings in my screenplay. And I was just doing some research, and there was a very eccentric, very strange, very tall, very bearded German guy in our tour group, and like. Out of nowhere, he seemed to kind of look at me and say, "Synchronicities are God's way of saying hello." And I know that that's an old term, but I had never heard it before. And it just seemed like the perfect moment and the perfect person and the perfect weirdness to to have that said to me. Yeah. And that that kind of became my definition. It's like, yeah, synchronicity is God's way of saying hello. That, that's very subtle, and I like that. Dude, that's brilliant. You know, because as you described that, it reminds me of like maybe a moment that happens in Twin Peaks where the log lady tells you some very, you know, great piece of wisdom from the log. And you're like, I got to listen to this. The log yeah. lady's telling me this. I got exactly. Exactly. Uh, so it's that's just great. man. that that you view the synchronicities in that way, because it's my favorite thing ever in the whole world to talk about. And I would. I, yeah. My dream is to <laughs> is to. Um, is to live, live live in a world where as as you're at the as, as you're at the uh, uh, the shopping as you're at the the market you know the, mm-hmm. the uh, cashier is talking to the next person in line about their latest dream or their latest synchronicity or mm-hmm. uh, while you're at the street corners you know people are talking about synchronicities and all their excitements of seeing these new manifestations of reality happening for them and um, and I think it's starting to happen more and more. I'm starting to notice more and more of this, at least through uh, TikTok, well, through Instagram too. I'm starting to see more people kind of diving into the cosmic soup and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, bringing awareness to it, uh, bringing this wonderful ubiquity to it. So that way um, it gives people a, a new perspective as to how their place is within the great, uh, within the great puzzle of the, of the universe. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing too. Although, also that same cosmic stew is where a lot of these ridiculous conspiracies <laughs> come up too. So it's like, how do you, how do you separate these things that are kind of like pure and beautiful and, and relatively simple if you really tune into them, versus just hot garbage that's coming from that same cosmic stew of the internet? You know. Well, yeah, and you know it's interesting. So okay, so synchronicities, like you're saying, it's God's way of saying hi, and that's that is mm-hmm. such a wonderful way of putting it. And mm-hmm. every time a synchronicity happens, anytime an epiphany happens, I feel like it's like the cosmic high five. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Me and the universe are going, all right, yeah. you noticed it, I noticed it, mm-hmm. you know, what a great gift. We're, we're both rejoicing in this thing. And what's interesting is, um, that, what, what, well, first of all, let me ask you this. What are, what are your thoughts yeah. about, like, when people talk about the law of attraction or a manifestation of reality? What are, what are your thoughts of, of that stuff? Well, I've never really delved into, like, what's, what's your definition of laws of attraction? We might have two different de- well, definitions. Okay. So what's yours? So the idea, so, so the idea is that... There is, there is us. Like we're just, you know, basically uh, 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 slivers of the all that is. Like the, the, mm-hmm. that. There's, you know, the higher mind. There's the, these, um, uh, um, you know, all, all, all the, all the beings that we that are unseeing that, that we can't see right now that are vibrating at a higher level. All mm-hmm. of the layers of existence, all the dimensions that are existing, um, and knowing that we are a piece of that existence, and the fact that we have a, a relationship with that sort of invisibility the idea that everyone is a, is a reflection of one another um of the great you know the sort of the great prism um mm. and the idea that 
um, when you take into that idea of Einstein about how everybody's reality is their own relativity. So, mm-hmm. so like your paradigm, um, the synchronicities and whatnot that you see are going to be in direct relation to uh, your highest. Uh, see, the idea is to bring about the best version of ourselves, our highest mm-hmm. version of ourselves. And when I see pieces of synchronicities filtering through that have so much to do um, that echo my highest joys and passions, I'm like, okay, that's another mm-hmm. uh, uh, sign, you know, that, okay, good, good, good. You know what? We're, we're, we're moving along here. There's another piece of my greater self that's kind of right. being added on here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so when I see the synchronicities happening, that that directly relate to the, the the things that bring me joy and excitement. That's when I'm like, okay, this is this is something to pay attention to. And mm-hmm. um, do you notice that when you when you celebrate synchronicities and whatnot, that more of them happen for you? Yeah, but I can also see that leading to you know your lowest self too. See, the way I look at it is that um, if you can imagine like you're surrounded in a circular pattern of, of infinite breadcrumb trails that go in every direction in a perfect circle around you. And if you think of your brain as a computer that can program your own reality, I think basically once you pick a breadcrumb leading towards a certain direction, let's say, okay, uh, you want the, you want proof that God exists, right? You're basically programming your brain to look for that next breadcrumb and subconsciously point you towards that. Oh, that's where you want to go. So you take that little breadcrumb and that's your first synchronicity towards your definitive proof that God exists. And you can keep programming your brain to look for these breadcrumbs. So you keep following and then eventually you will arrive at this conclusion that, oh yes, absolutely God exists based on subconsciously programming your brain to look for that specific trail of breadcrumbs. But the opposite can also be true. It's like, if I want proof that demons are real, once you start programming your brain to start looking for those synchronicities, then eventually you'll go to a path. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it shows you the power of the brain, like you said, to create your yeah. own reality. But it is programmable. That's the thing. So it's like, yeah, if you are looking for your best self, if you are looking for your, your best self reflected in your reality, hell yeah, those breadcrumbs are going to keep manifesting as synchronicities. And you're going to go on that trail until you reach that conclusion that, yes, this is meant to, this is, this is meaning, this is depth, this is, you know, purpose. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's but like it can be momentum. scary too. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, that's what's, that's what's so interesting. I once heard it described that the universe always says yes. Um, mm. to whatever we're kind of proclaiming at that moment or whatever we're, we're believing our, our deepest beliefs. So if we're going, Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I don't know anything. The universe yep. goes, yes. If you go, Oh, wow. I, there, there's, there's so many extraordinary ideas out there. I love, and, and I can find them in anything. It goes, yes. And here's more. So it yeah. always gives you <laughs> whatever. It's just reaffirming. It's like the mirror, you know, it's like yeah. you smile at the mirror. It's going, yep, you're smiling. Yep. We're smiling. You know, I'm smiling yeah. with you. And it's crazy. It's it's so interesting how how those little like you're saying the breadcrumbs how those little sort of like snowflakes coming together can can then make a snowball and then yeah. you keep rolling that snowball now it, now it has the potential of being this avalanche yeah but it's like to really there. but to really get to a place of meaning you you have to follow those crumbs for a long time it's not going to be like oh within 24 hours I'm going to achieve enlightenment it's like no you got to keep on that specific path of breadcrumbs until you really find something profound for yourself. Well, yeah, you know what's so exciting too is like I realized that by I realized like a, a huge lesson was appreciating the process that was happening and not letting my impatience mm. get in the way of appreciating those moments that were that were coming to me. Not allowing my mm. impatience of like, okay, when uh, when are we gonna cross the finish line? When is it gonna happen? When is it gonna happen? Yeah. Um, 
and just going, okay, this is a process that's happening. If mm. I can just follow my, I almost view the the intuition as like a um, as like the compass needle that's kind of taking you in the direction that that you want. And mm. um, I feel like if we could kind of stay in that moment to moment blissfulness of feeling mm. s- satisfied or excited about an idea, um, th- then there's really no space for impatience or mm. that idea of like, hurry up already, you know, come on, come on, you're taking too long. Mm. Um, I feel like we're able to really truly appreciate those moments and and feel those gratitude, you know, feel that gratitude as, as, as it's coming along. Like, like this, this epiphany struck me about the idea of how like okay for instance let's say uh let's say right uh let's say right now um i say oh my gosh you know um i can't wait for the day when uh i'm living in my own uh, uh little town that i've built and and we all just get to talk you know about synchronicities really openly uh everyone's artistic it's just a blast everyone encourages each other you know and as I'm thinking about that i'm thinking about that and then when that day actually occurs actually giving it the full respect of it existing in that moment mm-hmm. uh, and and appreciating that dream as it unfolds. Maybe that's a pretty grand, you know, example, mm-hmm. but um, just with anything in life where you're like, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be great if this thing, you know, comes to fruition? And then when that thing comes to fruition, like actually then go, wow, thank you, you know, giving it that gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's the hard part because it's like you know once you get what you want, there's that moment of like, okay, how long can I hold on to this? Once you're like really, really immersed in a in a creative headspace where everything is flowing very well and synchronicities are coming at you from every angle, and it's like kind of telling it, the story's telling itself. And then at some point, but at some point, there's that deflation, and you have to come back to reality—not reality, but you have to come back to a more, I don't know metered reality is what i call it because it's like when you're really caught up in it it can be all consuming like when i'm really in a place of creativity and it's flowing i'll be up at five o'clock every morning for months you know just writing or creating or whatever it is but then after a while it kind of ebbs away and it's still there but it's like you can't live in that for me i can't live in that place all the time so i have to be able to say okay this project is done and now i can have a little breather before maybe the next big creative output do you find that too? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Because because the what I what I was noticing in some various projects that I was with, think like a project would come to an end, or you know the thing would actually be happening, or you know whether it was wanting to see a I don't know a particular concert, or you know any, it could be any of those mm-hmm. things. And what I was noticing was that that uh, the 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 idea of let's see. As things were happening in real time, I, I I was finding that I was not giving it the proper respect that, like I came to the revelation like, okay, what was the point of me even dreaming up this reality? If this mm. reality that's happening before my very eyes, if I'm not actually going to congratulate it on its existence or thank it for, mm. for making its way through the ether into my manifested reality. I like that, man. That's a good, that's a good reflection on gratitude. I love that. Yeah, because I realized... What was the point of me even dreaming this thing if I'm if I'm not going to, you know? But when you're in it, when you're in yeah. it, the the creation is the point when you're in it. But then right, it's like that right. that post oh that yeah post check in. It's like okay, now what? Why did I do that? And right, like right. it's still amazing, but it's like yeah, you really have to check in yourself. Like 
yeah, what was the point of that? I'm, I'm, I'm always at a point, uh, yeah, after a project is over where I'm like, what was the point of that? But then I always come back to like, like you said, if it's, if it's a success, then you can really land yourself in gratitude and say like, regardless of where that came from or why it came from, it was finished and people seem to like it and I'm proud of it. And that's all I could ask for, you know? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Cause like, uh, there is that, what do they call it? Post, I don't know if it's called post-mortem. I don't know. If yeah. I'm yeah. Post-mortem. Yeah. After you create the thing, after you create it, you're like, okay, I, okay. It's done now, you know? And if there's kind of like that, that little bit of that emptiness, you know, where yeah. you're going, gosh, I, I'm no longer in, in that vibe, in that yep. flow of bringing this world to, mm. to life. And I mean, that's what's so fun about the, the, the universe that you're creating um, mm-hmm. with in Bright Axiom and, mm-hmm. and Grandview Boulevard and all of those great little nuggets that are happening there is that it can, it's continually satisfying. You can constantly go <laughs> deeper down the rabbit hole with these things. It's kind of funny because what I love is that, you know, we've we've done a lot of little tiny side projects in the last six years since we started Grandview Boulevard. And we're always finding that we've kind of not purposely, but we always hide little nuggets just in the background, whether it's like a Grandview Boulevard poster in the background. And then this footage from this other film ends up having all these little hints and clues in the background of our other projects that we can always tie back in. And it's never like conscious. It's never like, okay, if we put... And a bright and a bright axiom sticker on the wall of this scene of a completely different film. We're never like we're going to tie it into the whole universe, but it always ends up happening. So it's it's really fun to see like these accidental Easter eggs we're leaving for ourselves that tie these universes together. Oh my gosh, um, I love it! It's like you're leaving those your future self to get a big kick out of when they go back yeah. to see it again. They go, yeah. oh my gosh, this is how this can be used in this. It's it's you know it's so interesting like because you you mentioned earlier that you have improv training and so do I and mm-hmm. I love it. It's the whole yes and. I was know. just gonna say that yeah when you were talking about yes and it's like that's the oh. prime tenant of improv. Oh, it's so beautiful because you're yeah you're you're in service to the idea. You're in service to this thing that's being created through you, and everybody gives respect to that reality, and. And that's how they're able to go yes and because they're putting their ego aside. It's it's funny. It's like you don't even have to make a conscious decision to put your ego aside if you are in mm. service to that reality. And it's so yeah. fun because you guys, you're totally yes anding your way along yeah. through these projects. It's yeah. just so cool. And that's where the improv comes in. And because we're not doing it on an intentional level in a lot of ways, then when it does come back and we realize that we can tie these together, like prime example, um, I did a, a zombie horror short a couple years ago called Welcome Back Mr. Buzzcock. And Spencer, he made a, a fake newspaper article, you know, f- that opened up the film. It's a death of a science teacher who comes back from the dead. And just for fun, Spencer, on his own accord, decided to put a little tiny advertisement for Christor in the corner of the newspaper. Dude. Um, so when when I was trying to, you know, create characters for this Christor website, I thought, well, Mr. Buzzcock would be kind of funny. It's a sci-fi universe. And I have this newspaper article from this other film not even remotely thinking about this article that Spencer had totally put in there on his own. And then when I look at the article, I suddenly look in the corner and there's an advertisement for the website that I'm trying to tie this character into. And it was just like this oh. again, perfect, oh. perfect moment of synchronicity. I could not have asked. Oh. It was the universe saying, yes, not only is this character oh. from a completely different franchise, perfect for Christor, you have a literal commercial for Christor already in the film. Oh my so, God. That and that it was so not requested by me. I made the film and I did not request that just so you know. Oh um, but it was perfect. It was gosh. too perfect. 
that's yeah. so brilliant because it just shows that there was like th- there's a higher intelligence that was working through us and we just go I, I don't know why I'm doing this this just feels fun exactly do this mm-hmm. and then but the universe knew how that was going to be you know it was like yeah you wait you just hang on you'll see how it works you'll see yep. how it fits together and yep. um and it's man I, I those little things are just so exciting to me and I think mm-hmm. that's why when I'm in the process of creating something even if even if something doesn't necessarily make sense at that moment um I'm like okay let's fit this in here because evidently this this idea wouldn't wouldn't have attracted itself to this moment in time so okay mm-hmm. let's figure out how we fit it that in there and what's so fun is like with with history there can always be a you know there can always be a backstory that nobody ever knew about that has to tie in with the very thing that you're doing right here you know so there's always there's yeah. always that thing you can reach into the archives and go oh here's this old newspaper article oh did you know that this you know mixtape was found in this person's car you know yeah correct? it's really fun yeah oh it's like the puzzle it's the, the the just shaking up the box of puzzle pieces from completely different jigsaw puzzles and yet if you really look you can find the way to fit them all together you know oh man it's so fun because like in the toll the guy he just you know he talks about oh sometimes it's a yellow bridge and mm-hmm. uh, uh in the movie they go out there and it, i i believe it's green i believe it looks green at that moment um the very the very end of the film unless it's supposed to be yellow um, no it's green it's green yeah oh, they get right, transported right. to a green a green golden gate bridge dimension. yes spoilers which was, <laughs> which was beautiful because that stuff well I, heck even if even with that spoiler there's there are mm-hmm. so many so many convoluted, uh, 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 layered and textured things going on in that mm-hmm. movie. It's Thanks. like, it's like, <laughs> there's so much great stuff to wade through that, um, I mean, it was just so cool when you, when, with the, uh, with the color changing of the bridges and then just how mm-hmm. that fit in with the, ver- uh, the Verlis bridge society. Ver- yeah. The Verels, the Verels bridge yeah. society. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it- but that's a, that's another synchronicity too. That uh, again, this this I don't know if this is like too much of a curtain reveal, but um, you know, there's a there's a Discord that goes with um, Crystal Inc. The the website we created, and the people on Discord they were kind of like going through old images online of the tolls, and one of them I don't know who it was on Discord. They they basically found two old versions of the tolls posters. At one point, it was called the Toll. And then we had to change the name to the Tolls because a bunch of other short, randomly synchronicity, synchronicity came out the same year, almost oh, the same boy. year, of the Toll. So we added an S to it, right? So somebody on Discord posted these two posters, the Toll and the Tolls, you know, up above each other. And I was like, huh, that's almost like two different versions of the same movie. Whoa. And that's what created the Crystal universe multiple dimensions. I'm like, well, let's see what happens if the characters from the Tolls actually exist in parallel dimensions in real life. So we took the filmmakers from the Tolls movie was where there's parallel dimensions. And I decided based on Discord, posting those two posters, like, okay, let's play with that. So now there's one version of the Toll called the Tolls and another version in a different universe called the Toll. So again, it's like this thing, like that wouldn't have happened unless somebody from Discord put up those two posters so I could see the juxtaposition. Oh my then, God. And then click in the, oh, that's the parallel universe right there. Oh. We had already done the work. We just didn't realize. Oh it yet, my god, you know? that's awesome, dude! So and then it's so fun because then you know, especially when you when you enter when you bring parallel universes into the equation, now mm-hmm. any you know, it's like anything goes. You know, mm-hmm. like you can anything can be explainable because like oh well that that one's happening in that parallel universe. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's really fun. And, and it really is. Yeah, and it, as long as you make the universes distinct enough to say this fits better in this, like in the Blue Bridge, it's much more like 
technology based and I don't know it's it's fun to differentiate the different universes well it's so cool looking through um Chris store at all the the different little links that are on there and I like I like seeing that new new inventions are being uh <laughs> yeah being put up there um yeah. that, dude that infomercial is just so hilarious it's so great how authentic and honest it is it's just yeah I think that's what really pulls it off is when when things are done without the ironic slant to it, when they're just done so straight faced. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's when they really, Oh, when they ring, Oh, it's just so, so true because there's, yeah. there's this awe. It's just steeped in this authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was all Spencer, man, that entire commercial. That's actually Spencer doing the voice. I the, thought so. Yeah. Thought and he, so. and it's funny cause we never, when we were making Grandview Boulevard, w- well, that's another synchronicity because it was called the Esquire at one point. Oh, yes. And then Grandview Boulevard. So it's like in one world, Grandview Boulevard, the tolls exist. And then in the toll, it's called the Esquire. So again, you have these two parallel versions oh my of the God. same movie. Oh but my what God. I was saying, it's like when, when Spencer made Christor, the commercial for Grandview Boulevard slash the Esquire, there was never really a discussion about what its purpose or its meaning was. I mean, it was kind of like to sell the device that we had built. But it was so much more elaborate than anything I could have asked for or hoped for. And there was so much weird, just Spencerness to it. And I, I'm glad that we never like tried to break it down because then we could create this entire website later, Crystal Inc., to explore. I mean, if it wasn't for that infomercial, Crystal Inc. wouldn't exist either. So basically, the entire website is created around this infomercial, this random infomercial that Spencer created for the film. And I love that there was never a breakdown of what it all meant. Because that would have taken the fun out of it. Oh know? yeah. Now we can decide six years later what this commercial oh, means. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. it's 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 such a thrill. It's um, you you find it's... actors who act uh, honestly and mm-hmm. um, uh, are are there, are a lot of the actors you work with are they from improv? Do they do improv? Yeah. Well, the, my directing partner, Liz Anderson, she, she, I met her doing uh, improv and acting in, in the Bay area. Um, yeah. There's a couple improvisers, a lot of local theater people in the film as well. But yeah, I mean, the improv pool is, is pretty great in, uh, in San Francisco. Thank you everyone for hanging on, listening to the interview, becoming enlightened but this, these brand new worlds are just cracking open. ARGs, alternate reality games. They are, they are like uh, a real life video game. Basically, it's like you you are or like Dungeons and Dragons. You have become this character in a story that's unfolding, and on top of that, you're participating in it. It's just just thrilling. So, keep listening to these episodes because part two will be coming up. All right? Thanks for listening to Inspirato Projecto. If you want to contribute to this episode, I mean to, uh, to this podcast, call the, you could call the hotline, voicemail. Leave your ideas, your dreams, your epiphanies. 561 9179 561 or you can uh, email me, inspiratoprojecto at Give me any found sounds, hysterical laughing, the sound of you chewing your food, the sound of you reading a book, the sound of your cat purring, 
uh, the sound of you turning on and off a light, whatever, whatever you want, the sound of you up close, sounds of you tying your shoes. Could be anything. Pretty much anything. Ideally, if it's inspiring. Ideally, if it's something that's quizzical, curious, good-natured. I'll put it on here. How's about that? I'll put it right on here. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto.